Well, it was, uh, it was so fun to see so many of you on Christmas Eve. We, we rented a place just down the road, Vanis Heights Commons, and it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. We walked in, and here's this lobby, and there's this huge Christmas tree and this great big fire. And then there was this little hallway, and we walked down this hallway, and they had this light um, that made little stars. You know, it kind of felt a little promish, but it was, it was also neat. You know, and, and so you walk down there, and then you come into this big room, and, and there was a, a stable made of reclaimed wood there in the front, and then surrounding us there were these trees um, that had white lights, and, and, uh, and there were these candles. It was just a beautiful place to have a Christmas Eve service. And so as the service was going on, uh, we, we gave people an opportunity, if they wanted to, to go get candles. you got to sing candlelight uh, Silent Night, right? And so, so people have the candles, and, and we're almost to the end of the service. And, uh, and, and my, my little um, uh, eight-year-old turns over to me, and, and she looks up. And in the front, we had this, this candle that we were calling our Christ candle. And, and, and she looked over, and she said, Dad, the Christ candle's out. And, and, and as I stepped up to close the service, and I looked out, and I saw that all the lights were now where? Out there. I thought, what a, what a perfect way. We didn't plan that. What, what a perfect way to end the service. Where, where now the light that, 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 that Christ brought into the world was now out and was going to be going forth to different homes, to different families, to different places of work, to different states, to different towns. It was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. Now, one of the things that made this extra special, let's see if we can do a little reenactment. Would you pass the, the candles out, Crystal? Uh, Krista, if, if you're sitting on a... On a Towards the outside of the row, can you maybe scooch in so that we have the center aisles, people in the center aisles all the way down? And she's going to hand you one of these candles. Um, I want to just do a quick little reenactment here of, of why this was particularly significant. One of the traditions that we started some time ago with, um, with our Christmas Eve services is that we, uh, we tried to have every candle that people were holding, the source coming from the Christ candle. So during the service, at some point, we have someone come up and get the flame and then what they do is they take the flame and they pass it. And we'll, we'll do this the correct way, I've been told, is to hold the flame down and then lean into with the unlit, okay? So, so we do that here. I'll bring it over here. And if you guys could just leave them lit for a little bit, you'll help our object lesson here. Okay, so, so why this was particularly significant, at least, at least to me, is, is from this single source of light and warmth, from this, this single source of light and warmth, all around the room now were, was light and was warmth. I'm going to blow mine out so I don't drip wax all over. But if you guys could leave yours going for just a little bit, that'd be great. So when this light, when Jesus left this earth and, and this light went off, the light was still going. And it was still out there and it was being carried all around the world. Again, we didn't plan that. And I think it was really neat. I wonder if the Holy Spirit just kind of went, you know, during, during this service. If not, he had certainly inspired, hey, don't let any object lesson go un, un, uh, unused. And, and I believe as we were closing the service, there was this little phrase I was supposed to say, that we're designed to shine. We are designed to shine. And, and as I looked at my own little candle and I saw this little blackened wick, I thought, you know, that's me without God. I, I'm this little darkened wick in, in the world. But, but when, when God comes in, he can do amazing things. He can, he can create this light and warmth in us. Jesus, when he walked this earth, he had a single focus. His single focus was, God, I want to honor you. You know, what if the Spirit of Christ 
this year, in 2013, what if the Spirit of Christ could work in such a way in you that your mind and your heart were in alignment? And you said, my, my whole reason for existing is to honor God. You know, I think about Jesus. He was victorious over sin. Imagine if this year, 2013, if you've got an addiction, it could be broken. Or if you have this temptation that just keeps pulling you and pulling you, what if this was the year that temptation lost its power? You know, Jesus, I, I think about him. He inspired a movement that changed the world. His, his, the movement of Jesus, it changed our world. We're going to look at that as we go into Easter. Some of the, the impact that Jesus made that was without parallel. Imagine if his spirit ignited something in you so contagious that the lives around you were transformed. Jesus, when you look at him, he, he fostered deep and lasting relationships. Jesus left behind this new community that was formed around him. Men and women, young and old, people from different social classes, from different backgrounds, different ethnicities. What if one year from now, you had a deeper, richer community surrounding you? And Jesus, oh, I long for this. He lived simply. He lived simply. Imagine if 2013 was a year when your stress and your distractions and the complexity and the busyness was cut in half. Imagine that. And then imagine if each following year got cut in half again and again and again. Imagine that. And then Jesus had power in his prayers. Power in his prayers. The sick were healed. Demonic forces fled. The winds and the waves obeyed Jesus' words. And I think this was in part, at least due in, in part, to the fact that Jesus, he always knew what his father wanted. And imagine if 2013 was a year where you could actually hear from God. God, what do you want? What is it you would have me to pray so that this prayer could come into reality? What if you could hear him more, more clearly? And it's so fun when that happens. I just had one of these that's been emerging here over time that I want to share with you real quick. Um, some of you may remember this. There was uh, several months ago, I was, I was just up here, and, and, and I just shared on the side of, of the fact that as I was reading through my Bible in a rather obscure book, uh, if there is such a thing in the Bible, and, and a real cryptic passage, this passage about wind blowing through balsam trees, I remember saying, guys, when I was reading this, this is for us. This is for our church. It has, it has to do with our future, and I need to start talking about this with our, with our elders, with our directors. And so it's a good thing we did. I haven't even had a chance to talk to you guys about this. It's, it's just emerging this, this, this week. Um, there's a leadership team from a New Covenant church, and they want to visit us in January, and some of the very things they want to talk about with us are some of the very things we've been preparing for, some of the conversations. So when we gathered together, we started huddling and talking about those things. Um, they want to talk to us about some of those very things. And what's so exciting is now we've had this time where God has prepared us in advance so that we can recognize pretty early on, is this a partnership that God would have us can, to walk out together? Or is this one where we can say, you know what? Sounds like you've got a vision from God. God bless you with that. It's exciting when the Holy Spirit speaks to us in advance and, and sets up and lets us know things that are going to happen. I want more of that. I want more of that in 2013. I want more of the Spirit of Christ to be alive in me. I want to hear his voice more regularly. I want more power in my prayers. I would love it if the Vikings had an unfair advantage because I pray for them. I would love that. 
I would love that. To have, I don't know if that's how it works, but I would love it, you know? I, 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 would want, I want God to help me become a better husband. I want him to help me become a better father. I want him to help me become a better friend. I want God to help me become more skilled and more focused at what he's called me to do. I want more of God's peace and contentment and joy and simplicity. I need more wisdom and discernment and clarity. I want to know when is this a situation where I extend grace, radical, unconditional grace. And when is this a time where I swallow hard and say, I need to say something that you don't want to hear. I want to know when to do each of those things more and more and more like Jesus did. And oh, do I desire more deeply to have more victory when it comes to tempting situations and overcoming sin. And I'd imagine I'm not the only one that wants more of these things. You don't even have to believe that Jesus was the son of God to want more of what his life was. When you look at the life and what he embodied, I'd imagine all of us want more of Christ. And here's the thing. God wants that too. God wants that too. He wants you to shine like this. Even if you're feeling like your life is just this little wick, God wants you to shine like that. So let's talk about how that happens. So if you guys go ahead and you can blow up the, the metaphor here and let's talk about real life. And Krista will come around. She'll, you can put your candles in, in her little basket. Let's extinguish the, the metaphor. Let's talk about real life. And let's start with a passage that will help us transition. Um, this is out of the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew chapter 5. A familiar passage to many people. It's, we'll use this here as a transition. Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 14. As you're turning there, those who do have Bibles, I want to let you know if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to send you home with one free today. We always keep a stack in the back there, and you can feel free to please take one as a, as a gift here today. All right, this is out of Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 14. Thanks, you guys, for the candles, too. Appreciate that. All right, you are the what? What does it say? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket. You put it on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. All right, would you guys all, just for fun, repeat after me, kids too. We are the light of the world. One more time. We are the light of the world. God desires that. He desires that. We're the light of the world. He desires to see more of that. He doesn't want us just to stay. If, we're, if you feel like, okay, maybe I'm just igniting a little bit. I'm like the candle that's got the little red tip, but it's not ready to burst into flame. He wants more of that. And if, you, if you're already shining brightly, he wants you to shine even brighter. He wants us to keep growing. Here's one passage that speaks to that. This is out of um, a book called Hebrews in the Bible. And here, here this, this, this great follower of Jesus named Paul he, 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 well, no, I shouldn't say it. We don't know the author of this. But Paul says similar things in one of his letters. But here we don't know the author of Hebrews, but the author confirms what Paul says elsewhere. He uses this imagery. He says, you've been believers so long by now, you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies. You need milk and not, can I eat solid food? You know, there's a sense in which we're, we're always to keep growing. Whether our next step is just to move from milk to solid food or it's to move from, from solid food to, to becoming a nutritionist, you know, whatever the deal is, to just keep moving and to keep growing. This is, this is meant to be normative for every Christian. None of us have arrived. None of us are shining as brightly as, as we could if we allow more of the Spirit of Christ to fill more of our lives. 
So as we look ahead to 2013, let's all resolve to grow. Let's all resolve to grow. And let's be intentional about that. Intentional about growing. Intentional about becoming more like Christ this year. Well, how does that happen? There's all kinds of principles. The Bible's filled with them. Filled with principles. Filled with practices that the Holy Spirit uses. You know, I, we, we, we often over-spiritualize things. And we, we disconnect our faith from the rest of our life. You know, if you want to become better at anything, there's usually some step you take. You don't just pray to become better about it. If you want to become a better athlete, there's, there's physical things you do. If you want to become a better musician, there's, there's things you do. If you want to become better at your, your job, better at, a, at parenting, there's, there's practical things you can do. And the same is true for our faith. And the Bible's filled with them. Disciplines such as solitude, meditation, and fasting, such as praying the scriptures, praying in the spirit, praying as Jesus taught us to pray. Principles such as finding a mentor, becoming a mentor, allowing God's word to have a mentorship role in our lives. Things like serving the poor, serving the sick, visiting prisons. Things like confessing our sins and professing our faith and proclaiming God's goodness. Things like sharing our faith, sharing our lives, sharing our possessions. The Bible provides a wealth, a wealth, of God-honoring practices that can help us become more like Christ. Well, today what I want to do is I want to narrow it down. And we're going to talk about eight great resolutions for 2013. And, and what I hope happens is I hope two of these are things you'll consider applying daily. And I hope two of these are things you're going to consider applying once a week. And I hope that, that two of these things are things you'll consider applying at least once a month. And two of these things are things I hope you'll consider applying at least once a year. So let's take a look at these. Let's start with the ones that I want to encourage you, that I hope that you'll consider once a day. There's a place to write these down. There's a little blue insert inside your bulletin. I'd encourage you to write these down and, and reflect on it, and I hope you'll consider it. Um, here's, here's a couple things I think you should consider each day if you want to grow. Again, my point here is not to become a more religious person. My hope is that you become more like Christ. And these are means towards that end. All right? One of them is this. Spend time and focus uninterrupted prayer each day to take at least one part of each day to just focus uninterrupted, even if that uninterrupted is short. If new parents, you know, you might get that little five-minute burst, you know, but to take, take a, a, at least a little time each day, focus uninterrupted prayer. If you want to become more Jesus, more Jesus, if you want to become more like Jesus, you want to be intentional about following his example. And the passages here that I have on the screen that aren't in your notes, this is just some examples from one book of the Bible, a book called Luke. And this is a narrative of Jesus' life. And here are, are different points, you know, just from this one book. And these aren't all of them in that book, where, where Jesus was facing a, a decision or a big life event. And what did he do? He prayed. And, and some of these passages also look at times where he was teaching his disciples, pray. Now, the goal, again, is not to just only pray when there's a big thing coming up or, or whatever, but the goal is to be what's called abiding, where you're continuously, throughout your, your day, continuously, you're, you're aware of God's presence, you're asking for his leadership, his guidance. That's the goal. But, if, but to get there, a great place to start once a day, just having uninterrupted time where it's you and God, and you're just praying. You're, you're coming before him. And, and usually the number one reason that people offer uh, for not doing it is what? We're too busy. We're too busy. We're, uh, I'm in a small group, and, and uh, our small group leader has us reading this book called Crazy Love. And, and the book does a good job of helping us realize how foolish that excuse is. 
because it, 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 it helps us get a picture of God as revealed to us in the book of Revelation. And, and God is the almighty creator, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, to whom all creation will eventually bow down. And they, you know, this, this guy, the author, he says, get a picture of that in your head. Get a picture of God on his throne, in his glory. And you get to come to him and he's got his attention on you. And he, he wants to hear from you. And he wants you to talk to him. And he's listening. And we're too busy for that. Wow. What might happen if we started carving out a little time each day and we came to God with that kind of expectation? He wants to hear. And we bring our present, our, present a request to him. Might that trickle then into the rest of your day? So there, there's one thing I would encourage you to do. And, and, and I'd also encourage you to link the, the next resolution to this first one. In addition to spending time in, in prayer, read a passage from the Bible that's part of an intentional reading plan. An intentional reading plan. Is there some value in just opening up and looking at a passage? Yeah, of course there's some value there. In fact, sometimes that's exactly what a person needed. But what I want to encourage you to do this year is to get on an intentional reading plan. And that might look different for different people. I've got a couple on the bottom of your sheet there. Do you see I have a couple websites? These provide free reading plans. And they've got apps. They've got all, all, all of the whistles and bells. And, and they have some different ones, especially the U version has a whole bunch of different types of plans that you can get on. It'll even send you reminders and all that kind of thing if you want. But they have, they have some plans that if, you've, if you're new to the Bible can give you just a quick overview so you have an idea of the big picture of, of what the Bible's about. They have other reading plans that can help you take just small sections and go deep. They have some reading plans that can help you study. They have some that are more designed to be encouraging and uplifting. And then I encourage every believer multiple times through their life to read through the entire scriptures and to have some plan that'll take you through the whole Bible. Because the Bible itself says, hey, all scripture, all scriptures God breathed. It's all helpful for teaching and rebuking and correcting. And what can happen sometimes if we only know a little bit of the Bible, we can be misled by a teacher who overemphasizes one thing without the other. We can be misled ourselves as we, we highlight either God's might without his grace or his grace without his might and holiness. You know, so to go through the whole scripture, there's all kinds of great ways to read, but to be intentional this year. To, to, to be intentional and say, here is what I, I believe I should be doing with the scriptures and then finding a, 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 some sort of plan that will help you with that. And if you don't know where to start, um, there's some tutorials even on that version one that can help you. Um, otherwise, we can certainly talk and, and I can steer you a couple directions. But we want to be in the word if we want to become like Christ. You know, so many people say, I, I, I have such a hard time hearing God, knowing what's his voice and what's not. Well, reading is, the Bible is hearing. Why? It's his word. Reading is hearing. And so I'd encourage you to, to do that. We try each time. We, we, we're pretty intentional here about how we do things. We try every, um, every time we have our Bible open in the front, it's open to Psalm 119, 105. We try to do that. And I looked and Krista had it all set up. It was, it was there. Um, here's what it says. Your word is a what? It's a lamp. It's this light to my feet. It is a light to my path. And so to be intentional in this word, if you want to become a light, to be guided by this light.
Well, it's like all the things, there's more that could be said about this, but let's, let's move on. In addition to these things that I encourage you to consider, I hope you'll consider once a day, here's two that I hope you'll consider at least once a week. Let's start with this one. And I loaded this one up here. I didn't just say go to church because you can go to church and not grow at all. You can just, I check my box. What I want to encourage you to do at least once a week is to gather reverently, expectantly, and attentively with other believers on the Lord's day. You know, I've, I've, I've heard some pastors say things like this. They say, church begins when the service ends. You know, be careful before you post that slogan on, on your wall or, or turn it into a bumper sticker. I, I get where it comes from. You know, it, it comes from a good place. It comes from saying, hey, we don't want people to be misled to say, I just go and I check a box. We don't want people to be misled. I just come and I gather and I cannot be connecting with anybody or anything like that. You know, I, I get where that comes from. Or, or it comes from the place of, hey, I put in my time on Sunday so I can do what I want the rest of the week. So, so I get that. But I also think it's dangerous to undervalue something that the scripture values. The, the word we translate as church, it means gathering. By definition, the word that we translate, it means a gathering. It's an assembly. It's a gathering of God's people. And I put some references up there that I encourage you to take a look at. God's people apparently began to gather on Sundays for this time of worship and teaching. And does anyone know why they moved to Sundays? Why they started picking Sundays? The resurrection, because Jesus rose. And, and this, this was a chance to gather, to gather as God's people on this resurrection day and have a little mini Easter and to celebrate that he was risen and he was risen indeed. So, so what I want to encourage you to do is, is, is to consider once a week gathering and, and doing it with these things, reverence. Reverence. I'm not saying that you have to be stuffy. That's not reverence. Reverence is, is, is about where your heart is to say, God, I'm here to meet with you. And I do want to challenge us a little bit here on this. I, I, I believe that many of us, and I'm guilty of this too, I believe many of us, we ascribe a higher value to other meetings than our meetings with God. You know, if you have an important meeting, if you have an important meeting, you're going to, most of us, we're going to be there early, right? You're going to provide margin so that you're there, you're ready to go. What if we started treating our meetings with God more like that? What if we said, you know, I'm not just going to kind of make it when I make it. What if we said, what if we started approaching our worship times like that? This is a worship service. What if we started saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make it a priority, you know, and as, as leaders of our families, if you have, you have a family unit and you're mom or dad, to start setting that example, to say, you know what? This is family, in 2013, we're going we're gonna to do a better job of saying this is a meeting with God and we're going to be here on time. And kids, or our kids, you know, I think about Christmas Day. I, I've never been the first one up on Christmas Day. Kids come jumping in and, come on, let's go, Dad. It, it's, you know, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. What if, what if kids, you would help our parents a little bit too, of saying, hey, it's Sunday. Come on, let's go, let's go meet with God. What if you would help them, too, with that? You know, what if we, we treated it as a reverent thing? And, and, and when we came in, we, we, were, we were saying, okay, God, I'm here to meet with you, and, and I'm, I'm expectant, and I'm attentive. Instead of just coming, you know, we get so used to Americans. Anytime we sit down and face forward, right? We're so used to, well, something entertained me. What if instead it was, okay, I'm coming here today, God. Who do you want me to reach out to today? 
Who do you want me to connect with? How could you use me today to encourage somebody or, or uplift somebody or be a listening ear or, or what? How could you use me today? And not only that, what do you want to say to me today? Okay, this is a passage I've heard before. What do you want to say to me today? What can I use? What can I take with? I could go on and on about this one, but what if we did that? And, and not only would that help us, I believe, become more like Christ, who is attentive and aware, because the goal is not just once a week. The goal is throughout our days, right? Once a week is just a starting point. What if, what we, but, but what if, in addition to what it can do for us, Imagine the statement it would make if every Christian would do that every Sunday around the world. Imagine if every seven days, believers all across the world would stop everything. They would gather in homes or cathedrals or or community centers. They would cross economic lines. They would cross racial lines. They would cross political lines. They would cross Packer, Vikings lines, Right? And, and what if with one voice and one Bible, we would raise our hearts to God? What a statement that would make. And what a statement that does make. But imagine what it could make if we even took that more seriously. Okay, let me continue on. Another thing I want you to consider once a week is to offer God your first and your best. Now, I've said this more times than I can count, that if you really want to know what matters to a person, You don't ask them what matters to them. You look at how they spend their time and how they spend their what? Money. If you really want to know what matters to a person, how do they spend their time? How do they want to spend their money? When we offer God our first and our best, we say to God, you are the king of kings. Everything I have comes from you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I I can't not emphasize this. Um, let me take a look. And, and, and why can't I not emphasize this? Because the scripture, look at some of the things it says. Financial stewardship, meaning how we, what we do with what God's entrusted with us, it is a discipleship discipline we dare not neglect. It's clear through the scriptures. All things come from God. And that we offer him is his to begin with. And, and to weekly pause and to say, okay, God, what a, what a great reminder. Everything comes from you. Everything comes from you. And this, it says it's impossible to serve both God and money. And to at least once a week have a course correction where you you stop and reflect and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to just chase accumulation of wealth. Father, I want to be obedient to you and I want to steward things as you would have me to steward them. Am I I serving both you and money or am I serving you? And this one, here's a passage that would be interesting to dig into sometime. Withholding tithes and contributions, it's equated in this one passage as robbing God. Those aren't my words. I think this passage is often taken out of context, but I also think you can't gloss over it. And then this next one, sacrificial giving. It's presented as one way we demonstrate the sincerity of our, of our faith. Now, I was, I was tempted as I was putting together this teaching, I was tempted to say, let's put this one as the once a year thing. You know, we're once a year because many of us, we, we get a salary adjustment more annually. And once a year, when we get that adjustment to say, okay, God, am I, how much you know, would you have me to get back to you? I think in the culture we live in, in the culture we live in that so moment by moment competes for our devotion, I think this would be a great one for us to at least once a week, we just pause and we say, God, everything is yours. What would you have me give back to you? So I would encourage you to consider that. All right, moving on to once a month, and we'll speed these last couple up. Not because they're less important, but because we need to. All right, at least once a month. 
I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to engage in authentic community with believers you aren't related to. It's a given that I hope you're engaging in healthy relationships with with your family. Um, I I hope that, and that's something we teach on from time to to time. But I hope also, in addition to that, at least once a month, you're engaging in real community with believers you aren't related to. Now, our next teaching series is going to deal with this as we talk about membership and why that matters and where that comes from. Um, So I won't say much now, but I just want to ask a couple quick questions. One of them being, wouldn't your life be richer if you had more 2 a.m. friends? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't you be more likely to become more like Christ if you had God-honoring people who were encouraging you and supporting you and challenging you and praying for you and all those things? You know, when Jesus, think about him. Again, think of his life. We're trying to become more like him. When he arrived on the scene, he didn't just arrive as some hermit up on a mountaintop where people came to him, got some wisdom, and came back down, right? He, he was in the thick of community. And, and he had this group of people that he shared his life with. You know, what if we followed that example? Here's a passage that speaks to that. Again, one of many speaking to community. Let us consider how do we stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, and as you get together, here's another great resolution that's... that's uh, uh, linked to that, this idea of serving your brothers and sisters in Christ in a Christ-like way. And again, this is another topic that we talk about frequently, but I, I feel like it needs to just be touched on in this framework that at least once a month, you should be serving in a Christ-like way. What does a Christ-like servanthood look like? There's a passage we look at frequently. It's this idea of Jesus washing feet. And we've talked about this so much that I don't want to talk about it right now. How about you, what, what were some of the things that made, what was something about Jesus washing his disciples' feet that made that shocking? What was, what was one thing about that that made it, people would say, wow, you're washing their feet. What was something? Come on, I want to find out if I've been doing a good job or not. Humility. humility because he's the master. He's the teacher. He, it was a sign of humility. Does anyone, anyone want to add and build on that about why it was humbling? Was that something that people did in that day in that place? Especially not Jews. In fact, the sources I've looked at said, you, if you were a Jewish slave owner and you had a Jewish slave, you wouldn't have your Jewish slave do that. So for Jesus to wash his disciples' feet, wow, it was shocking. And you see it if you read that account in the book of John. If you read that account, you see the disciples were shocked. What are you doing? What are you doing? Now, I went back there, and I, and I took a look at John 13. Again, these are not my words. These are the words from Scripture. If you feel, if you're, if you're feeling like, ah, oh, he's just trying to, whatever, I'm just bringing it. John 13, starting verse 12, says this. When Jesus washed their feet, he puts back on his outer garments and resumed his place. Look what he says to them. Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to what? Wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should also what? Say it with me. Do just as I have done to you. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Here's the strong word. And I I have no choice but to bring this strong word, except to be disobedient, I guess. If, If we aren't serving our brothers and sisters in a manner that radically exceeds cultural norms... We aren't following the example that Jesus set. What Jesus did, the example isn't necessary. Some say it's literal, some, some, but I think everybody agrees that, that, that the idea here is Jesus is doing something beyond cultural norms. He's saying serve in a way that is beyond what would be expected. And, and I'm going to go even further because I believe the Bible does. Not only are we not following the example Jesus set, if we aren't serving our brothers and sisters in Christ in a manner that radically exceeds cultural norms, we're walking in disobedience to what Jesus instructed us to do. You know, and I would welcome the emails on this if you feel like I'm out of place because I never want to bring a hard word that, that is, is not from the Scriptures. Never. But I look at this and it seems very clear that that's what's going on. So here's the question then. If you want to shine more brightly, if you want to become more like Jesus, look at your calendar, and in the next month, where are you serving like this? In the next month, where are you planning to serve in a way that exceeds cultural norms? Is the goal to just plan it once a month? On the third Tuesday, that's going to be my day to serve. No, the goal is to be continually aware of how we can do that throughout our, throughout our lives. And whenever the Spirit would have us do something like that, we do it. But this is a step in the right direction. And if you want to become more like Jesus, and you're not regularly doing it at least once a month, say, okay, here it goes. Third Wednesday, I'm going to do something with the hope that that will trickle into the rest of our lives. And again, what's so beautiful about that, can we go back to that passage for just a second? Before you start going, oh, I'm going to do this thing, and it's just going to, I'm doing it for you, God. Look at what it says at the end. Blessed are you if you do them. You're going to discover that to be true. As you become more like Christ and you, you, you let him own you in that area, you're going to find that you are blessed. All right, the last two, I'm going to group them together, and, and, and even though we could spend a week on each or a month on each, I just want to quickly touch on them. At least once a year, I hope that you'll consider two things. One, retreating to advance. And two, visiting one of our partners or somebody who's engaged in the front lines of of ministry. This idea of retreating, what, what we mean by that is to just get away with something that is going to build you up. And, and that's going to look different for different people. Are all retreats created equal? No. I, I've been on some, of, some events that I, I couldn't wait for it to be over but to find something that really works, um, to find uh, some sort of experience. Maybe if you're really a connectional person, to find that thing at least once a year where you go and you can let your full guard down and you can be completely connecting with, with one another. Um, if you're more of a person that just needs to be inspired, you know, I've got this leadership conference I go to once a year and every year I'm on the phone with Laura. Laura, don't let me not go to this next year. Because there's something in it that just grabs a hold of me and says, fires me up to say, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and go do it better in Jesus' name. And, and for some of us to get away and to go into a situation where we ex- experience extreme poverty, to, to go and, oh, 
oh, you, 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 your eyes are open and your, your heart's open for some of us to get away and to just have silence and solitude and detox from all the noise and the busyness so that we can be quiet before God. For some to get out into nature and to be aware and, and to just immerse yourself in God's presence. There's all kinds of ways to do this right. But to find something that, that you connect with so deeply, and it might take a search, but find something that you can't wait for it again next year, that you will, you will take a week off of work. You will take, you'll make the commitment because you just know you need it. Find something like that. And it might take time, but find something like that. And then number two, visit one of our partners. And, and again, I, I'm not, it, I should have changed the language on that one. Uh, it just would have been worded a lot more words. But this whole idea of moving from insulated, from extreme poverty, extreme pain, um, to being introduced to it and, and, to, and, and to put names and faces with it. You know, we can, we can throw stats out there when you hear, you know, tens of thousands of kids die every day. And, and we can go home and we can eat wings and watch the game because it's a stat. But when you know one of those kids and you know their name and you know their story, now all of a sudden, I, I, it's not the same. What would God, what would you do, have me do to help? And, and, and it's not just poverty. Um, some of the horrible abuses that are going on out there. The people visiting prisons, visiting the sick. There's all kinds of ways we can, we can do this. But at least once a year, considering putting yourself way beyond your comfort zone and becoming more like Christ who stepped into our hurting world. Boy, wouldn't that change you? A goal, again, not the goal of being just doing that only once a year, because the hope would be that would trickle into the rest of our lives. Now, as, as I wrap things up, I want to put one last scripture here on the screen. And even as I do this, we can have the worship band get into place. Because we just want to take a moment here to show you something. Here's one section, and you see at the bottom where I have a number of references. The, the, the phrase I want to show you here is midway in here. It says, but Saul, who later be, had his name changed to Paul, he went to this high priest, and he asked the high priest for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to what? Say it out loud. The way, the way, and the Greek word that we translate here, it means a road or a highway or way of life. And then that, that phrase, the way, is the phrase that you see in, in multiple times in this book of Acts. As, as Christians were becoming Christians, as groups of people were beginning to encounter the resurrection of Christ and in their own lives, and they were beginning to, to become more like him, they began to have a way about them. And people called it the way because it affected everything. It affected how they spent their daily life. It affected how they spent their weeks, their months, their years. What if there was a way about us that began to develop more in 2013 than ever before? What if part of our way every day was to spend time with, in prayer, in our, reading our Bibles? What if part of our rhythm, our way every week, was we're going to come and we're going to meet with other believers with expectancy and reverence, and we're going we're to consciously offer up to God that which is already his? And what if at least once a month we gathered and we had real community with one another, and we really served one another? And what if once a year we would in, engage in some sort of activity that helped us to detox from all the junk and fired us up? Do you think if we had a way like that, one year from now, we'd shine a little brighter. I believe we would. So let's pray to that end, and then let's have a couple songs to seal this. Father, we do pray to that end. We pray, Lord, against a spirit of religion that would just say, do things to somehow earn my favor, or just do things so that, that, that we look like we're believers. Father, 
we pray against that kind of a spirit of religion. Instead, Father, we pray that you will draw us to you so we can become more like you and we can shine and we can, we can experience brightness and warmth in our own lives and that we have something real to extend to the world. So Lord, right now in this moment, would you turn our hearts and our minds towards you? Would you help us to proclaim through these songs your truths, that you are able? And Lord, may we be willing to open ourselves up to that. In Jesus' name, amen.